Welcome to the Salon Owners Collective Podcast. Each week on the podcast, you'll hear stories and tactics from experts and influencers who will provide you with actionable steps to transform your business and your life. I'm your host, Larissa McClemon, and I help salon owners move from stress and overwhelm to lead a life of freedom and profit by implementing a strategic framework to grow and scale their business. So wherever you are in the world, I want to officially invite you to join me in this episode and make an important step in your journey towards more freedom and more profit. I'm sure sustainability is something that you've heard a lot about in recent years, whether you're completely in support of this movement or you aren't fully in the know. One thing that is undeniable is the rise of sustainability cause and sustainable salons in our industry. But I know there's one question that many salon owners ask themselves when they hear this, what is the cost? And I know it can feel scary to spend more on companies and providers whose sustainable products and values mean more expense to you or to your clients. So today I'm sitting down and chatting with Sustainable Salons founder, Paul Fresca. We talk all things sustainability, supporting local and looking into the future, not only for our industry, but actually for the whole world. Paul believes that it's time for our industry to get out of the dark ages and start looking into the future. So let's dive in. I know you'll love this chat with Paul. Paul, thank you so much for joining me on the Salon Owners Collective Podcast. Thank you so much for having me again. It's nice to have you back. You've uh, been here once before. It's been a little bit of Uh, a gap between hangouts, especially in person. Um, So why don't we start with, well, who the heck is Paul? Where do you live? And how did you get to be doing what it is that you're doing? (laughs) Well, my name is Paul Fresca. I'm one of the co-founders of Sustainable Salons. Um, uh, I uh, I set up up this company with my partner, Evelina. Uh, uh, We launched nearly six years ago, Uh, but I always like to remind people we nearly wrote the business plan and we looked at it the other day 12 years ago. So it took a long time to get it off the ground. Um, I'm located here in Sydney, but we operate all around Australia and New Zealand providing our service to nearly over uh, 1,100 salons, about 5,000 hairdressers, uh, and we now speak to around 3 million consumers. Yeah. Amazing. You've come a long way since we uh, first met and had coffee (laughs) at uh, Hair Expo probably five or six years ago. (laughs) Amazing. Uh, yeah, things um, have definitely got, gone up. And, and, and I, I always know that because of how many employees we've now got. Yeah. I'm like, well, my God, who are all these people? Uh, <laughs> um, so what kind of brought you to this point in time where you decided to, one, get into the world of sustainability and two, tackle the hair industry? Look, uh, in, in the short story is um, I'm a hairdresser, uh, have been for literally my whole life. Um, uh, my partner, I met Evelina uh, about 15 years ago in Amsterdam, where she was studying fashion sustainability. She, she really opened my eyes to a whole world of supply chain understanding where things come from. So the, a resource, you know, I've got the mining of, of anything like that's cotton and uh, basically how that would actually go through the stream, us wearing it and then disposing of it. And it just blew my mind that all we cared about was buying cheap. And then even once we threw it away, no one cared. It's just like we, we play such a short life in our garment. And then I couldn't help but look into the salon and say, well, 
geez, I was foiling hair one day going, well, where does the foil go? And is this recyclable? And, and what about the hair? And, and this is where it, where it all kicked off. And it kickstarted this conversation about, well, why, why is no one focusing on it? And, and when we actually started writing the business plan of sustainable salons, uh, we actually said, well, it's not just about recycling we care about. It's, it's, we care about people. We care about business. And then that really wrapped into what we both knew was sustainability because sustainability is not just about the environment it's about people planet and profit so these things are so uh, uh, they mean so much to us so we built a business plan wrapped up in that and uh, and really we we didn't know if it was going to work um you know we, we we had to really wake up an industry many years ago and uh, we had no money we literally started in my dad's garage and uh, and that's how really this started this journey and and thank god today people have got it i think the world has shifted a, a lot since since we started I think timing played a big part in what we did um, and yeah today we're just so happy that it's it's going forward. So uh, I want to pick up on something that you said because I think it's kind of normal commonplace to think about sustainability in terms of the environment but you mentioned as well as the planet people and profit do you want to speak to you know speak to us a little bit about that I'm really interested in what that means. Oh, and thank you so much for that question, because really people forget sometimes about the people and the profit part. They're always like sustainability, the environment and, and recycling. And I say, yeah, look, that is so important. But we have to also care about the people, about the jobs, the local jobs. And I, I say to people today, localism is so much more powerful than globalism right now. We care about what's happening in our local areas. We all want to know that things are just working in their own neighborhood. And we care so much about that. So everywhere we, we take our, our program, we take the jobs with it. So when we launched in New Zealand, it's not about coming back to Australia. It's about Auckland, you're going to take care of Auckland. Christchurch, you're going to take care of Christchurch. The jobs have to stay there and the money needs to stay there. So that's key to the success of building great sustainability companies of the future. But let me maybe focus on the profit one, because I know that one, everyone's like profit. It's like this scary word in sustainability. And I, I tell people, this is the future. Um, I'll, I'll give an analogy because I think uh, people work better off, you know, sometimes visualizing this. I say, look, let's just focus on Tesla for one second. You know, if we go back nearly uh, uh, 10 years and, and, and you see Elon trying to create this car and saving the world and everyone was just bad, that's crap. And, and, and it's never going to be the future. Every car company trying to really just crush it, you know. But what's really interesting about this is, is it wasn't he wasn't trying to sell the environment he's selling the future the future of not only jobs localism jobs but also the future of actually how a car is going to work in the future it's no longer going to be a liability it's going to become an asset for the first time in history we're going to start to see a car as an asset and i think that argument now has come to reality for so many where we're now like oh my god yes this will work how you only have to see what he's doing it's very similar you're going to see uberized models coming out of tesla soon driverless cars you'll be go you'll be able to go 100 kilometers for just under a few dollars so the future is going to come where you're going to actually probably not even want to going to own a car that's what's kind of bizarre of the future where it'll become a business for people to buy the car and just have it out in the fleet so i find that very unique because people just didn't see that coming because they were fixated on the car itself, this petrol car, and couldn't see the vision. And, and today, that's it only speaks for itself as now the number one car company in the world, and every other car company is now changing their position. So how does this come back to us at sustainability and profit? is the same thing's happening in the hairdressing industry. We had traditional business. Everyone saw that if you have the right brands in front of you, you're going to drive in the right consumer. 
Well, I can tell you now that game has changed. The conscious consumer has taken over. So what is a conscious consumer? It's an individual now that's actually buying on values, not brands. And it might not sound like much, but when they now become the majority of people's spending power, it really wakes up big companies realizing, oh my God. So the big guys, for example, who sell products to us have all stopped to realize, oh my God, we, we're not capturing this consumer. So we're not capturing their dollar. And that feeds into the salon because they've got the brands and they're like, well, how come I'm not capturing all these new consumers? Well, because they're value driven. So what does that mean? It's not just about um, ticking a box saying I've got a recycled bottle. It's, it's what are you embedded in your company as values? And this has changed the game. So you can look at a lot of research now between the ages of 18 and 35. This consumer has now become so important that everyone is shifting tack. So I say to people today, if you're not capturing that consumer, well, you're now becoming that salon. And I use it in salon terms is that, you know, that poster that starts to turn blue on the front of your, you know, on the front of your screen. Well, you're turning into the blue poster, you know, because there's, there's a lot of sun hitting that but not, not enough reinventing of the wheel. So you've just got to start to think about what is it I need to do as a salon to capture that new consumer? Consumer, Well, values, you've got to plug them in. So start to think about the brands you're putting in there. Start to think about also the community aspect of what you're driving. Are you caring for your community? Are you starting to think about your community? You know, because the consumer today is Googling in a way like never before. What are they typing? They're, they're typing values to look for salons. And just to give you an example of that, we at Sustainable Salons have now become, we, we can see ourselves, I, I think we're in this position now, the number one directory service for consumers now looking to get their hair done. We track it over 5,000 consumers coming through our, uh, our directory now each month. We hit nearly over uh, 1,500 book now clicks each month where the consumer is now looking for a sustainable salon to get their hair done because it's touching their values. It's not about the brands or the products that are in there anymore. They're actually saying, look, that salon ticks my values. Now, to give an example of that, when you wake up in the morning, right, and you're looking now for your breakfast place, you're on holiday, let's say, or you're in your local area, you're looking for your breakfast place. What are you looking for? Are you looking for value-driven cafe or are you just looking for the local cafe? We're looking for the one that has the eggs right, that think localism, that you're thinking of all those aspects and that's values, because I always try to remind people, what is it? Well, it's that. When you pick up a product today, you look at the back, you're looking, is it made in New Zealand? Does it has, it, has it ticked all of my boxes? Because that matters to me nearly more than the brand now, because I just want to support a local company and a local organisation. So this is so important. And you have to capture this. Why? Because it's where all the profit is going to be of your business. I love that. Really, it's about uh, people are looking for the story, the biggest story that's attached to it, um, which is what makes us stand out from anybody else. Mm. Um, I love that. That really spoke to me. That's amazing. Yeah. And uh, look, I think uh, there, there, there is a real unique shift happening at the moment. And, and bre- uh, big companies, just like salons, are trying to figure out where do I belong in here? And with now so much of their business coming through technology, so Google or Facebook or so on, coming through here to do the booking of now the salon, this matters more than ever. Because if you haven't nailed that message in a very short, snappy, you know, few few lines, few images, because remember, go back to the breakfast. I want to see my eggs Benedict. I want to see it with the sprinkles. I want to see it. I want to see my that, 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 that the toast is extra crunchy. I want to know that it was cooked fresh. These things all matter today. 
you know, where did so the eggs much. come? Where did the eggs oh. come from? And yeah. Oh yeah. Well, you you kind of now even through an image now, if someone's gone to that type of preparation, they've probably you can pretty pretty much guarantee they probably have put it. In, they've sourced the right things, yeah. right? Imagery yeah. is just it's, it's on us, and 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 then you can quickly go to the reviews to back that up, and then I'll go there to have now my service. So, uh, technology is really driving that. So it is hard. I always say to salons, how do you get that message right? Well, I, I say you have to live and breathe it, and it just comes out organically. Yeah, for sure. Um, I just before I, I want to talk about sort of uh, this COVID world we're in, in just a moment, but before we do yeah. that, I heard something that you said, I just want to pick up on because it was super important. Um, consumers are searching for the salon via your website because they're looking for yep. sustainable salons. That's 5,000 people. I forget how often you said that yep. those 5,000 We get 5,000. So we, we hit around five, we average 5,000 hits a month. Uh, but yep, we also have a the book now button. And we're yeah. hitting nearly 1,500 clicks now a month too. Uh, and that's that's yeah. a direct booking to the salon. Yeah, so that's uh, that's amazing. And I want you guys to tune in and hear that. Um, it's, do you know, the days of yellow pages are long gone. Uh, this is how consumers are finding the salon. So I just wanted to point that out because uh, for me, coming from a booking software background, I just tuned into that and I'm like, hmm, this is smart. Can, can, and can I be honest, we literally uh, caught on to this about a year and a half ago because we weren't even, we, we were not in this business, right? It, we were fully focused on on delivering the, the right value set into the salon. And all of a sudden we realized, uh, we, we started tracking um the clicks coming into our website and we're like, okay, where are all these clicks going and what are people looking for? And then we're like, wow, they're all going into our directory and, oh, they're really trying to actually, oh, we're getting all these people trying to ask us, well, why can't I just book from here? And this, and you're like, oh yeah, you're like we're, you're, you're trusting us because, you know, we, we've done this amazing work to build what we've built and, and these salons have taken us in to play. We're kind of like a, a sustainability plug-in, you could say, uh, and, and they've plugged it in. So, I get it. It's connecting those two dots. And uh, we've realized, look, this is a unique space for us now to really capitalize. And can I be yeah. honest, when, we, when we, we've just started the conversation with our members to say, hey, just to let you know, we actually had 10 clicks, book now clicks on your selling this week. You know, they're like, say what? And you're like, yeah, yeah. like, you know, that's, that's five, you know, three or $4,000 this month we brought to your business. We're like, wow like we're so proud that we knew that it was there we just didn't know if we could connect those dots and we're connecting yeah. them better and better and I feel like it's a unique time in history for organizations to realize wow your business models are so broad today you know it's not like you just do one thing you actually can connect all those dots and technology just makes that possible yeah lots of fun all right let's shift our focus now to uh this COVID world that we're in yeah. Uh, for some of us, it sort of feels post-COVID, but for the majority of us, we're still living the COVID world. So um, let's talk about the shift that's happened uh, with the change of consumer behaviour in a COVID environment, um, PPE, mm. shipping, um, getting things delivered. What's that been like to watch the change and, and what, what are some of the things we need to think about and be aware of? Look, I'll stick. There's so many in, in in my world on the environmental side because of COVID. Let's just let's even knock off some of the high ones first. Like you know exactly what you said. Like look, when COVID hit, 
the world just flipped uh, upside down. And look, one of the greatest things that came out of this was Mama Earth because she got to breathe mm. for the first mm. time in history. I don't know if you noticed, but I live close to the ocean and, and it looks so clear. It, it just got clearer and clearer and clearer. So it was great that without all the ships crossing over, okay, this is not good for maybe for business, but great for the earth. So there was a, a really unique time. And if you saw what happened with um, CO2 emissions in the world, yeah, it was plummeting during this time. So it was actually a unique time. So yeah, look with the earth and, and, and what truly blew my mind about how so much was happening with, with our skies getting clearer, the oceans getting uh, so much, uh, it's like life back in them. But, but the reality is it was all short-lived. We know the world was going to come back to business. Things are ramping up. So where are we at today? Let me give it now a snapshot of what's been happening on the environmental side, uh, you know, PPE. Let's throw that one out straight away. The whole world needed to start thinking about masks, gloves, this. It's like, you know, the, the procurement went in overdrive. So uh, one of the biggest things we saw straight away was, well, what is all these materials that we've never seen before coming from our salons? So we're seeing those masks and we quickly went into gear getting biodegradable masks. But, but the problem is, is people wanted extra protection. And when you were going into that extra protection, we said, look, this is one of those moments where we just got to tell people just protect yourselves, you know, so, you know, the world just had to start thinking about themselves, for, you know, the environment kind of took a back step for a second. We understood that because people just had to protect their families, what was going on. We're trying to get the right information. So a huge overload came through in, in, in the, the classic mask. But look, gloves, on the other hand, we kind of got lucky here. Why? Because Prior to the pandemic, Evelina and I already saw a glove problem. We actually fixed this by creating the first ever biodegradable glove. Uh, so we actually are already years into providing our clients with a, a great alternative, which is high strength, can be used in hairdressing, beauty. You can wear it 10 times and it's biodegradable. So what was really unique for us is we started getting phone calls from the Australian government to say, we know what you're importing. That's actually one of the COVID-19 gloves of choice, right? There was four gloves that actually had a special code on it. And they said, how much do you have? And just to give you a funny story, um, the New South Wales government here contacted us and said, we would take everything you've got. And I said, whoa, 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 whoa. I said, no, I've got clients to service and I, I don't know how long it's going to take for me to get all these products again. So we, we had to start talking. But then I said, wait a sec, how much do you need? And they said, we, we need on about a million units a month. I said, what? Mm -hmm. And I said, a million units. I said to Evelina straight away, I was like, well, I think we're in a new business here. I've got to quickly try to figure out, can we even supply this? I call our factory and they just said, guys, forget about it. I said, we have just about, we have, I think, 140 countries now calling our, our office and they're putting down payments of even we had they have one client from Saudi Arabia saying we'll take a billion units. That's crazy. It's it that's what we were up against. So we realized straight away, I had to tell the government, we can't supply you. We can give you a small batch, but we have to treat you just like one of our clients because we only keep on stock about 2,000 units of these gloves. So that's the reality that was kicking in. And so we made sure to have all of our clients and we still have made sure that they've got the best protection with our gloves and a biodegradable choice. So that was a very unique story that happened uh, in COVID. But one of the things we're seeing at the moment, which is kind of unforeseen, again, is cardboard. It's become now the next big problem. You think plastic is a problem? Well, let me introduce you to the cardboard problem. Let me put, paint a picture. 
first of all, most people think cardboard is paper, which it is technically, but it can be recycled forever. When you put it in a recycle bin, you're like, I've done my bit. Well, the reality is, is paper is not a great product. It actually can only be recycled twice. And most people don't realize, well, you've got to cut down a tree to get that paper. So you think of what's happening today with us purchasing online, sitting at home saying, I want a toothbrush and now I want this. And you're ordering from all these different companies. It's all shooting into you. Well, we've seen already dramatic increase in cardboard. It's, it's literally taking over our warehouses at the moment, which is a good thing. We can recycle it. But I just want to just bring the light to it is, guys, now the next problem is beginning. We're not solving this with a good returnable maybe box system or something. So for anyone out there listening, please go and solve this problem. Go and solve the problem of what now needs to happen with, you know, boxes coming to your home, coming to your business for all these items you want to purchase online because we can't have cardboard uh, filling this void over the next few years. We'll have no Amazon. And, and the reality has kicking in. I don't Big companies like the big tech companies that are actually producing, they're sending out all these products, they're investing in Amazons right now because they realize they need to get all the trees that they can possibly get. But this is not the solution. We're not here to cut down trees. So if anyone ever asked me, what is the su sustainable solution to this problem right now? As I please say, please buy FSC paper, meaning that's a certified paper, meaning that they replant a tree every time they cut one down. That okay. is... That's the bare minimum we can be doing right now is just supporting that. So every time you look on the back of a product now, it's not the recycle symbol. Forget that for a second. Focus on that FFC symbol, and that's a F guarantee. FFC. 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 Okay. Yeah. Great. I, right. Yeah, I, I, I'm really pleased that you brought that up because you're right. You know, we have a, a rubbish bin in our house and we have a the recycling bag and that's as far as our brain goes. We think, oh, I've done my bit. And so I'd never considered how many times can this be recycled? And actually the new problem being now, actually trees are the next problem. Yeah. Wow. I can't say enough. What we need to really start focusing on is the production of things and how they're made. Um, it, it matters so much. Uh, and that's this, now the supply chain. And I tell someone the other day, I said, you know, because when I have to turn up to government and do talks, uh, they always say, oh, you're that greenie. And I say, no, 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 I'm the above ground miner. <laughs> you know, if, if I've got to talk your language for a second, right, I'm like, I'm an above ground miner. Do you call the mining industry greenies? Because what I'm collecting are the resources of the future. You know, the metal, the paper, these things matter so much that we do it right. And me educating my client, my future is not to be in the recycling business. I want to educate my clients to, that we should never even hopefully exist in this sector anymore. You know, we've just got to educate people about what's the right thing to do, have it come through the stream correctly so it can just go straight back out. And that's really what we're in the business of is making sure that these materials just have multiple lives. And uh, that's the key to our future. So mining is the game and, and, and uh, it's, it's how well we can educate people to separate materials before it comes to us. Okay, there's so much to unpack here and to think about <laughs> and to consider. I want to do a bit of a recap um, because there were lots of moving parts. So we've talked about uh, people being local supporting local and uh, this is kind of the most important focus right now um, in terms of the profit for now but also for the future we've got to be thinking about the new consumer the up-and-coming consumer and be values driven 
Mm. and really think about this. I love this story because it really is about how can we stand out from the crowd? This is our opportunity to uh, stand out, reach new people. And I love your blue poster, not become the faded blue poster that's just been on in the window for too long in the sun. No, no, no. <laughs> Anybody listening to this podcast doesn't want to be that guy. Um, and uh, and in terms of sort of cardboard and PPE and and, do, and environmentally doing the recycling and being a little bit conscious about that, really your message is we've got to be ahead of that. We've actually got to be thinking about the future, not just dealing with what's coming in today. And I think yeah. that to me was the message. Have I missed anything? No, no. And uh, look, the the, the part um, which tends to fall on for any salon owner is well, what's the cost, right? What's the cost for me to care and get these consumers? So, and the analogy I tend to give them, I say, look, when you go to choose, let's go back 10 years or 15 years and you're like, look, I've, I've just opened my business. I'm trying to, you know, I want to set this up beautifully. You're looking at probably brands that are outside your comfort zone where you're like, oh, that is a bit expensive. But when you kind of put those brands in, you're like, oh, customers are actually okay to spend that money. These are brands that have probably taken a little bit more extra care. They've started to care about the packaging, the ingredients, and also the values driven that they're probably going far beyond just giving you another detergent. Uh, they're actually saying, no, I'm going to give you something that has real value plugged in. And you, you question, well, will my client want to buy that? I think what we what was shown already many years ago is that, yeah, you'll be surprised. Clients are willing to spend that little bit extra for brands that care. Well, the same thing is applying today when it comes even now to recycling. Consumers are more than happy to pay that little bit extra. And again, I'll go back to that breakfast analogy. 20 years ago, you know, 10 bucks was the thing. Now you spend more for breakfast than you do for dinner. Well, why? Because you really care about the experience now. You care about the values plugged in. And I say this to salons. That's what's happening now with consumers. They're not coming to you just for the hair or the brand now. They're actually saying, I need you to be on par with my value set. And you know what? I'll pay 20% more or 10% more. You will be surprised. Uh, one of the reports, that, uh, one of the um, uh, studies that we did is we wanted to understand, oh, how much more would you pay? Right? It's a pretty unique question. And what we found in consumer lens, so if you're going to purchase an item from a store that let's say, let's call it the toothpaste. You know, you've got the classic old one and then you've got these new ones that are, you know, charcoal this or this or that. And it's got all these things that are like, oh, this matters to me. You're actually willing to spend over 30% more for your value. And, 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 and that really, to me, is I show people, that's called pure profit now space. You know, I don't know if you know much about the books in pure profit or if you've read much into this space. It's, it's what Uber did with surging and it showed how much you're willing to pay extra for something that matters to you now. You know, and when you get that right, consumers are willing to spend it. So right now, sustainability is so important. And when you talk to clients in the salon and you have to say, like, you know, we're, 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 we've got to up our prices to now plug this in, the natural instinct from a boss is like, oh, look, it's, it, they're never going to do it. But every single time we prove this, the client loves them even more. Yeah. <laughs> they, yeah. they go and tell their friends. Yeah. And it's just like... That is unbeatable. People are willing to spend more and promote you. Like there is something special about the now. And I want people to recognize this is don't feel afraid. Just open the conversation with your clients, have a talk to them and say, guys, I want to step up a gear. I don't want to be the blue poster anymore. I want to be values driven. 
And I want to make sure that, and I, I can like be so proud when you sit in the chair that I'm saying, look, we recycle the hair, the metals, the paper, the chemicals. We're supporting local communities that support. We have a lot of supported employees in our network that we we employ. You know, we're also a big directory service driving those new consumers in. You're, you're getting that total package plugged in. That's what we do at Sustainable Sun. We say, that's what it is now. It's a package plugged in. You get proud. You want to tell everyone. And who doesn't want to go tell their, you know, when someone's sitting in a chair getting a haircut going, my hair is going where? My foils are fit, you know, the profits are going to Kiwi Harvest. Oh, it just blows their mind. Give them a conversation to take back and have with their friends and become become the centre of the of uh, of the conversation. Yeah. Um, Paul, you are a business owner. Yes. What is a, a quote or a mantra or something that keeps you going, looking forward, keeps you focused that you can share with us? Yeah, look, really good question. And, and these are things like uh, Evelina and I, we stop all the time to understand, well, what's, where do we put our focus? What matters? And, you know, and we read it. Well, I listen a lot because I can't read. Um, so I listen to books a lot and she reads a lot. Um, one thing that keep, we keep coming back, back to that truly matters to us is that it's, again, back to kind of that localism, but this is there's no planet B, right? There's, your area is your area, right? You need to take care of it. It's like you should be proud to... you. You should be proud to walk out the front of your home and clean those leaves and make it presentable and give it that space. Well, we've got to do the same to the planet because this is our home, our humans, humans of the world. This is our home. Let's take care of this planet. So that drives us to say, well, we can't yet go to Mars, so we better start figuring out what we can do here now. So no planet B, and that seems to be something that drives us. I love that. That is so true. It's such a simple, very clear statement all right what is a um a podcast a book some kind of resources a resource that you have engaged with recently that you think salon owners need to get their hands on well uh if anyone recently that's a good question um i look i'm 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 someone that lives a lot in the future so uh, uh, i won't get maybe into books here but it's like i very much care a lot about the digital future digital currencies of the future so I, i'm well versed i guess in the whole uh, cryptocurrency world and understanding what's actually happening there and and making sure that we're not going to fall behind um so that's very important to me i care a lot about also technology in understanding also the mechanisms of how we can also keep up to speed with what's happening because i see our industry falling very fast behind in technology and it's just and, and that's not so much in the software i think we're doing quite well there in the salon software but when it comes to every other aspect of what's happening in the salon environment there's just nothing you know we're still kind of stuck in the dark ages so i'm watching a lot about that space but um, when it comes to sustainability in itself is one of the books that got Evelina and I truly inspired many, many years ago was a book by John Dee called Sustainable Growth. Um, John Dee was the founder of, uh, of an organisation here in Australia called Planet Ark, and he's moved on from there to do other things. And, and uh, this book that he wrote actually was really well done. It just, it gives you the building blocks of what you need to do to build truly a sustainable business model. Because people ask me all the time, well, what is it and how do you build a sustainable business model? Yeah, well, it does take a little bit of thought. It's not traditional. It's like, I always say like a burger shop. It's not like you're not just making burgers now. You're actually making a burger for the client and you're giving one burger. That's the business model of the future. So how do you think like that? You need to start thinking that's the future. Like it's about giving your local community, selling one, being engaged. So um, sustainable growth, I would say, is a, an interesting book to read. Amazing. We shall dig it out and leave a link in the show notes of this podcast so you can find it and get amongst it. Paul, thank you so much. Uh, you have shared 
so many insightful thoughts. You've really got my brain ticking. Um, and so I appreciate the time that you've given us today. Thank you so much for having me again on your show and I uh, look forward to coming back again one day. Absolutely. Ciao. <laughs> Bye. And that's a wrap. Thank you so much, Paul. I hope you enjoyed this episode. All right. I'd love to know what your biggest takeaway or your biggest action is going to be on the back of chatting with Paul. What resonated? What actions are you taking? Are you reaching out to Paul? Please come into the profitable and successful Facebook group. Let him know. He hangs out there in there with us. Uh, I would love you to connect and meet with him and uh, let us know what you thought. All right. I hope you had plenty of takeaways from today. I look forward to connecting with you same time, same place next week. Ciao for now. Thanks for joining me on another episode of the podcast. Tune in every week as I reveal the latest insights and advice on what it takes to truly master your inner salon CEO and master your salon success. Subscribe to the Salon Owners Collective podcast on iTunes or Spotify or visit us online at www.salonownerscollective.com. But make sure to join me in my Facebook group for answers to common questions and much, much more. Thanks for listening and I look forward to tuning in with you again next week.